think in the meantime, maybe we can play one of the voice notes uh, that we've received. Morning, Pastor Mark. It's Michael from Cape Town. Pastor Mark, I have difficulty coming to grips with uh, the rulers and authorities mentioned in chapter 3 verse 10 of Ephesians. Would you be able to uh, to explain to me man, what uh, what Paul means here? Please, uh, Pastor Mark, I've been struggling with this verse now for quite some time now. But I believe that uh, that God will use you to uh, explain to me what it what it precisely means. Please, Pastor Mark. So the question is related to rulers and authorities with specific reference to Ephesians. Ephesians talks about rulers in more than one place. Uh, the reference was Ephesians chapter three, uh, verse. 10, um, but Ephesians also speaks about uh, rulers and authorities um, in Ephesians chapter 6. So we'll take a look at both of those places. And I think we'll also take a squiz at the book of Colossians because I'm quite familiar with that passage as well and I think it relates. So let's get started by just uh, reading Ephesians chapter 3 uh, verse 10. Um, it's part of a larger section which really speaks begins at verse 1 and goes all the way through to verse 13 uh, talking about the mystery of the gospel revealed maybe just to explain what that word mystery is mystery is something that was previously hidden but now has been revealed that's how the word mystery gets used in the new testament uh, and so you've got this idea of the gospel being revealed jesus christ being revealed something being mysterious being hidden in the past in the in the older testament um, but now revealed in its entirety in the newer testament so paul begins in verse 1 by saying for this reason i Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel and so there you have it plainly laid out that in the Old Testament God primarily but not exclusively dealt with his people the Jews but in the New Testament we find that through the Apostle Paul and through his proclamation going out to the Gentiles God has brought in a Gentile, um, a, a, a set of Gentile believers uh, into the church that this was previously hidden but has now been revealed in this age. In verse 7 he goes on to say, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given uh, me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this, and I mean maybe just a note on Paul's, personal humility one of my favorite verses is 
toward the end of his life as he speaks to his protege in the faith, Timothy, and as he writes that he is the chief of sinners. Um, he often self-deprecates himself, even though he's an apostle, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles, having been given an incredible task to take the gospel message to a Gentile audience, even though he writes scripture. And the other apostles recognize that it's scripture. Peter writes in his book of the writings of Paul, being difficult to understand, but no less scripture than the writings of Peter himself. Um, even though he has been graced with all of this responsibility, he still he still is so humble, the very least of saints in verse 8. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So now, uh, here's, our, here's our passage which we're bringing into sharp focus, the conversation um, for this morning. Uh, it's the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. He, he gives the reason um, why the church, which is the manifold wisdom of God, uh, might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is for your glory. Oh, sorry, which is your glory. So the entire passage is talking about these Gentiles. The entire passage is talking about this mystery which was previously hidden but has now been revealed and what that mystery is in sharp focus is that Gentiles uh, are part of the church, that Gentiles might approach God even in their Gentileness. Maybe just to explain what a Gentile is in case you don't know, there's two groups of people, <laughs> um, just two groups of people, Jews, that is a specific people and nation that had been set apart by God, called out of all nations and chosen for his own eternal purposes that he might bestow love on them in a peculiar way. So you've got Jews and then you have everyone else that isn't a Jew. So that would be people of European descent, people of Asian descent, people of African descent, everybody else that is not a Jew is a Gentile, which makes me a Gentile and it makes a uh, across the the aisle from me, impor Gentile, um, all of us in the same boat, all of us in the Old Testament, separated from God in this. The Jews had a peculiar relationship with the God of the Old Testament, Jehovah, Yahweh, a, a peculiar relationship. They could be seen to be his. He had given them his law. Uh, they lived according to his commandments. Um, they were visible representations of the love of God. In the New Testament, um, Paul has been speaking in chapter two about uh, chapter one and chapter two about a, a dividing wall having been taken down between Jew and Gentile, um, that God has, in His own manifold wisdom, included into the church this this new body of believers started on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two has added to the church both Jews and Gentiles. It is an incredible and amazing thing and an extraordinary mystery that was in one sense hidden in the Old Testament but revealed in the New Testament. I have just 
also remind you um, that whilst it was hidden, the Old Testament doesn't only exclusively work with Jews. We see Gentiles woven into the story of God's grace the whole way through the Old Testament. Uh, even Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldeans. He was a Babylonian um, before he was uh, a man of God. Um, we see Israel established um, through his lineage as you go from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then to Israel himself, um, who has 12 sons and then two half-sons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. Um, and we see the establishment of the Jewish people as they go first down into Egypt and then grow into a mighty nation and then get called out of Egypt. But woven into their story, even as they come into the promised land, is the tale of God saving Gentiles. Um, as we think of them coming into the city of Jericho, we have one very important Gentile, um, and that's the prostitute, because we were speaking about prostitution a little bit early in the show, but the prostitute Rahab, who acts in faith and actually becomes part of the lineage, the line of King David, ultimately. And King David, obviously, being part of the lineage, the line of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Um, we see other um, uh, other Gentiles being included into the storyline. Um, so, for example, um, Moses marries a Midianite, um, an African lady. Uh, we see uh, from um, uh, the, the tale of Ruth as uh, the the children uh, go out, uh, the sons go out and, and marry a Moabites, um and then bring them back uh, to Israel. We see entire Gentile cities getting saved in the Old Testament. Think of the story of Jonah and the whale. <laughs> we'll talk about, about Jonah not being a whale but being a fish. But but in reality, Jonah goes to Nineveh, the, the capital of the Assyrians, um, a great nation, a Gentile nation. And we see an entire city coming to repentance and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. <laughs> One generation only, because the next generation is wicked and goes and overthrows the northern tribes of Israel. My point being that in the Old Testament, God primarily works with his people, but we do see God's heart and God's love going out to Gentiles. In fact, maybe just to say, if you read the book of Psalms and you read even the writings of the prophets, they are replete with God making promises of bringing all nations to Zion, uh, his holy city and holy hill, that they might praise his holy name there. And so we have, we have more than just a smattering of Gentiles in the Old Testament. However, there is a sense that God is working primarily with his distinct people, the Jewish nation, in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, this mystery is revealed that both Gentiles and Jews are added to the church. And this becomes an incredible proclamation um, in verse 10. He says in verse 10 that so that through the church, now this is this, this conglomeration of both Jews and Gentiles, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Now rulers and authority in heavenly places, I'm fairly convinced, will be heavenly beings. We might call them angels. Uh, we might call fallen heavenly beings demons. Um, 
and there is a proclamation of the manifold wisdom of God which has been made through the entity of the church. As heavenly beings look upon the church, they marvel that God's love and grace and mercy and long-suffering, God's righteousness, might all come into a culmination in the salvation of a people which will be made peculiar unto him. It is a marvelous thing to go to church on a Sunday. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm looking forward to Sunday service. Um, on Sunday, I'll be at a church in Zwaalvelpoort. Central Baptist Church Pretoria has a hill campus in Zwaalvelpoort. And I will be at church in Arcadia. Uh, Central Baptist Church Pretoria has a campus in Arcadia. So 8.30 service in Zwaalvelpoort and a 10.30 service in Arcadia. And in the church... There is an incredible diversity of souls. God has, in his infinite wisdom, chosen to save young and old people and seat them together in the same building as they praise God. Male and female and seat them together in the same building as they praise God. Black and white and in our country every color in between and in the same building seat them together that they might praise and glorify God. And that is a proclamation. To a world that doesn't get these things right I mean this is just so sad but yesterday I was um, there's a new movie that's out and the movie talks of uh, the lynching of a young man in the United States and um, I was so overcome with emotion as I watched the trailer uh, that I went online and, and read the story and then went and read and, and asked the question when was the last lynching when did it occur in the United States the scary thing, I can't remember the date exactly now, but it was in, I, I'm going to guess, 1985 or thereabouts that the, 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 the last um, lynching happened, the murder of a person only based on their skin color. That's in our lifetime, friends. Um, for those of you who are lift, listening in, whether you're black or white, for many of you who are my age, <laughs> I'm like mid-40s, so middle age, we remember apartheid. That happened in our lifetime. The bottom line is, the world messes up in so many ways, whether it be on um, on gender, whether it be on age, whether it be on um, on on race. But in the church, the manifold wisdom of God is on display as He brings together people who are peculiar from one another into one body. Gentiles, fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It is an amazing thing and it is a testimony to a watching world when churches get this right. I think of the, the church on Sunday. Uh, the church on Sunday is going to be so diverse and so joyful and so single-minded in their praise of Almighty God together. Because in reality, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or polka dot. <laughs> we are all praising the same Savior who laid down his life for our sins. When the church gets it right, it is a proclamation to a watching world. Now, don't get me wrong. <laughs> the church doesn't always get it right. But when the church does get it right, it is the manifold um, uh, wisdom of God on display. And that is even made uh, to heavenly beings such as 
demons and angels. Let me take you across to uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and just show you what I mean in terms of them being angels because I think that was kind of the essence of the question. I probably gave a little bit more than what you were looking for. Um, We're very familiar with the passage. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I am going to start at verse 10. It's the armor of God. I mean, if you went to Sunday school, you know all about the armor of God, right? Breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, the the, the belt of, tr- uh, the sword of truth. Um, okay, so you know about the armor of God. It starts in verse 10. Paul says, finally, <laughs> this is his, this is his kind of last statement in closing this particular book. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I, I hope that you see that the language in both chapter 3 and chapter 6 is the same. You've got this this the, this wording, uh, rulers, you've got this wording, authority, and you've got this idea of heavenly places in close proximity to one another. Um, the bottom line is uh, Paul seems, or oh, Paul definitely has in mind heavenly beings um, in this case. Uh, and so the answer to your original question, who are the rulers and authorities? Well, the answer would be heavenly beings. Um, And why are they in sharp focus? Because God is testifying to them of his own manifold uh, glory um, as the church of Jesus Christ is on display. Uh, This is like... This is like for free, <laughs> for extra, uh, for extra credit. Um, Ephesians chapter 12, if we go and look at the actual words that are being used there, um, when we get to um, uh, rulers, um, it's the word uh, archi, and when we get to authority, it's the word excusia, um, uh, rulers, uh, cosmocrako. Um, yeah, uh, this this is definitely talking of heavenly beings oh did i mention uh, that we were going to talk about uh, the uh, uh, colossians as well um, because the same phrase is used in colossians you might find this interesting if you've been tracking the whole conversation that ephesians and colossians are most likely written together as you go through those two books oh man they are so close in terms of their structure in terms of their content both with different emphasis i think ephesians more of an emphasis on the church ecclesiology um, how we are to relate in the church Colossians, more of an emphasis on apologetics, particularly around the person of Jesus Christ. But in uh, Colossians, there's two references again uh, to this idea of rulers and authorities, and I think you're going to pick up the the theme pretty quickly. Uh, The first one is in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 16. It's speaking of of Jesus Christ and of his preeminence over all things, that he is superior to everything. It starts in verse 15, that he, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's firstborn not in terms of chronology, but firstborn in terms of priority. He is over everything. For by him, Jesus Christ, all things were created. When you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, then you can think of 
of Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 it is Jesus Christ who created all things you can see that same idea fleshed out in John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 Jesus created all things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him and there we seem to have a very smart list that Paul is putting together he says um, all things were created in heaven and on earth and then visible and invisible and then a description of what is invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities the rulers and authorities there um, I don't think are um, earthly rulers and authorities but rather heavenly rulers and authorities the same idea is taken up in chapter 2 verse 15 um, in chapter 2 verse 15 it's talking about again Jesus Christ and him being the answer to all of our apologetics that we need to focus on Jesus Christ that we need to have Jesus Christ center in our minds and then we won't fall for the philosophies and the traps that are all around us and we read in verse 13 that you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands this he set aside nailing it to the cross he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him and I'm fairly certain that as we read rulers and authorities there, um, it's a reference to the triumphant parade of proclamation of his awesomeness that God made that's referred to by Peter. Um, I'm fairly certain in 1 Peter chapter 3 where he talks about making proclamation after his death um, to the rulers and authorities, the demons even in hell. And so I, I would say that um, fairly consistently through both Ephesians, through Colossians, as well as by other authors including Peter, uh, this idea is uh, that of either angels or demons. And it seems to be fairly sharp focus at the end of Ephesians that it's demons and seems to be um, and therefore I would take it as 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 demons in Ephesians chapter 3 as well 